her host, Coach Danielle McCartney. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartney. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. You are listening to 60 Minute Overtime, Summer Episode 7 with Danielle McCartan, streaming live on Periscope and on YouTube at Coach McCartan. I'm aiming to bring you the best in sports, my analysis, and my interviews for the next hour. Okay, first off, we will talk about the number one sports headline. It is the preseason game between the 49ers and the Packers, where 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick did not stand but instead, he sat on the bench during the playing of the National Anthem. Kaepernick says, and this is a direct quote from him, he says, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. And that is the reason why he did not stand during the National Anthem. Now, the NFL comes out and says the National Anthem is and always will be a special part of the pregame ceremony. It is an opportunity to honor our country and reflect on the great liberties that we are afforded as its citizens. In respecting such American principles as freedom of religion and freedom of expression, we recognize the right of an individual to choose and participate or not in the celebration of the National Anthem. If you guys can see me streaming live right now, I have my Yankee American flag hat on. America, uh, I actually put the, I think I put the photo on Twitter already. So, there have been fast and furious reactions around the league um, from current players to former players to um, analysts and everywhere in between. So, I'm going to give you, I comb the internet, I'm going to give you uh, a couple of the better ones that I've found and the more relevant ones that I've found. So, first off, Justin Pugh, he's a Giants player. He says, uh, he tweeted, I will be standing during the National Anthem tonight. Thank you to all gender, race, religion that put your lives on the line for that flag. Remember, it's 140 characters. Okay, so um, there's that. Now, the Giants, someone tweeted out a picture of the Giants. Giants, all, every single Giant player made an effort, a conscientious effort to stand along the sideline for the playing of the national anthem, which uh, looked really cool. It just it looked really cool. Someone snapped that picture. Then, continuing with the Giants, Victor Cruz said he's his own man. He decided to sit down, and that that is his prerogative. But on a personal standpoint, I think you ha have to stand up there with your team and understand that this is a game, and what's going on around in this country is, are a lot bigger than you. Aubrey Huff takes the... <laughs> A more controversial uh, standpoint here. He says, this guy is a joke. Get lost. You don't like it in a country that has given you the opportunity to succeed? Then get out. Tiki Barber tweeted, I wrotely stood for the national anthem all my life, post 9-11 and Giants at Chiefs. I never took it for granted again. God bless America. Then Boomer Esiason went in on Colin Kaepernick. Boomer Esiason, is this, this is what Boomer said. It was one of the most disgraceful displays I have ever seen by a professional athlete on his field of play. He signed a contract with an NFL football team. He has on an NFL football helmet. He has on an NFL football uniform. And he does not have the right, I don't believe, to now start putting out his own political views in that form. 
It would be like me walking out onto the field in my football jersey with a Make America Great Again hat on. How many people would that piss off? You can't do this. I couldn't have been more direct, succinct, or disgusted by Colin Kaepernick. I'd cut him. Obviously, you guys can tell that there have been completely varying viewpoints on this. I want to start the Periscope feed up right now. Now, there have been completely and utterly different viewpoints, obviously. And this is a very touchy subject, obviously. But it's a current event, and it's the, the biggest story in sports still since he's done it. So what is your opinion? I'd like to get the phone lines going here, guys. So the f- if, you're, if you're ready to call in, it's 201-825-1234. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. So I just started up the Periscope feed. Now, we're talking Colin Kaepernick right this second. That's not, that's not a good angle. Let me sit up here. We're talking Colin Kaepernick right this second about um, what's going on with him and sitting during the national anthem. Now, there have been two schools of thought, as you have seen, uh, from the former players. Now, this is my take on this, and I'm going to tell you this. Just trying to get my phone to stand up. There we go. We're all set. So we're, uh, we're sc- streaming out on YouTube and on Periscope. Hope you guys can see me. I uh, should be on Twitter as well. We're talking Colin Kaepernick is the first of the day. I have a notification on Twitter. Uh, Min Pros likes my tweet. Hi, Joe Q. I know you're watching. See you on Monday. Colin Kaepernick. Boomer Sison says he's cut him. Uh, he would cut him. Other people are standing up for him. Now, Jackie Robertson, Robinson, excuse me, Jackie Robinson, in his autobiography written in 1972, called it's, it's called I Never Had It Made. He recalled the scene in 1947 with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And this is a direct quote from his, wow, we have 14 people watching. Wow, hi, everybody. We're talking Colin Kaepernick. Give me your, uh, give me your thoughts here on, on Periscope. Also follow me at Coach McCartney. I didn't put it on there. Urgh. But um, he says, but in his autobiography it says but as I write these words now I cannot stand and sing the national anthem I have learned that I remain a, I have learned that I remain a black in a white world I had to fight hard against loneliness abuse and the knowledge that any mistake I made would be magnified because I, because I was the only black man out there many people resented my impatience and honesty but I never cared about acceptance as much as I cared about respect that last line, I never cared about acceptance as much as I cared about respect. That's, to me, what Colin Kaepernick is going for. Now, if you hate Colin Kaepernick, we have 23 people watching online. If you hate Colin Kaepernick, well, then I guess you hate Jackie Robinson. Because in 1972, Jackie Robinson is saying the same exact thing as Colin Kaepernick is saying, and it's 2016. So Colin Kaepernick says, yes. I'll continue to sit. I'm going to continue to stand with the people that are being oppressed. To me, this is something that has to change. When when there's significant change, and I feel like that flag represents what it's supposed to represent in this country, is representing the people the way it's supposed to, then I will stand. Now, I saw that, and I kind of scratched my head a little bit, and I said, okay, Colin Kaepernick, what are you doing to help the people that are that are um, trying to, you know, that are being oppressed? What are you actively doing? I had a little bit of moment moment of reflection last night, and I said to myself, you know what? How many of you guys listening? On nineteen of you guys, and however many of you guys are are on on YouTube listening and watching, 
participated in the ALS challenge, the ice bucket challenge, to raise awareness for ALS. I know I did. So just because I'm not, he isn't out in the front lines doing things, he brought this issue to the forefront. And I was going to get on his case for not actually actively pursuing avenues to alleviate this, which he still can, which would be a good move on Colin Kaepernick's part to, you know, start to bridge the gap between in, in, in hotbed areas between the police and the uh, and, and the oppressed, to use his words. He should be getting out there and doing that. But simply by just raising awareness for this cause, by sitting during the national anthem, which it's, it's the NFL's policy that you do not have to stand for it. You can sit for it. The 49ers have had a closed meeting. Uh, Ron, uh, Kaepernick spoke. A couple other guys on the team did speak at this closed meeting. I believe it was players only, not even coaches. So I was about to jump on here today and get on Colin Kaepernick's case. Until, of course, I saw the internet last night. Couldn't really sleep last night, so I, I checked on Twitter and there was a hashtag that started trending last night, and the hashtag is Veterans for Kaepernick. And if you haven't seen it on Twitter, you should go check it out. And meanwhile, last night on Twitter, this emerged. And I picked out, I went through this morning, and I picked out some of the, the more um, relevant tweets here. But I made sure to, to pick tweets that were from military personnel only. And and here's what I got. So. At Kristen Megan says, I am a disabled veteran and haven't stood for the anthem since I separated. We are not free. She was a white, uh, by the way. By the way, Colin Kaepernick is mixed. He's black and white, adopted by white parents. Okay, so just so you have that context. But that was a white service woman. I believe she was Army. I'm not sure. But I went through and I picked posts that had photos of the people. So these are all legitimate military people. Uh, next one is at Baltic underscore Avenue. Hashtag veterans for ha- Kaepernick because I didn't volunteer de- to defend a country where police brutality is swept under the rug. Next one. At DCMBR Diva says, I served 25 years in the armed forces to protect everyone's First Amendment rights. I support you. Hashtag veterans for Kaepernick. Next one, at Blake in America, says that a millionaire actually caring and doing something for poor people he's never met is American, which made me think of Congress. <clears throat> at Lariska Pargate says, I believe in the same exact stance he took. Go ahead and burn my uniforms. And I thought that was pretty powerful because you see all these images coming out of San Francisco of all these people burning Colin Kaepernick jerseys the same way that they burn LeBron James jerseys, et cetera, et cetera. So that seems to be uh, how people are doing this. Someone said, Colin knew this was happening before he entered the NFL. He's a hypocrite. Okay, how? Now, I'm not defending Colin Kaepernick in, in his in the sense that he's un-American. I'm not. I believe that he should have found, I'm with Tiki Barber, he should have found a different avenue in order to express this, in my opinion. Because he's doing it, in my opinion, now I'm not a service person, but in my opinion he's doing a little bit of a disservice to the people 
that have served and that did serve our country. But then again, on Twitter last night, these veterans are stepping up and saying that they support him and they support what he do- what he what he's doing. Speaking of First Amendment rights, these people are right. Then they're not they're not standing up. They're not they're not defending us so that we can stand during a national anthem before a football game or a baseball game or any sport anything. So they're protecting his First Amendment right, which is the right to free speech. And is this not an expression of the right to free speech? Is it not? And you have the veterans who are serving this country standing with Colin Kaepernick. Now, Colin Kaepernick, you know, what about... I saw, I saw a cartoon that someone put out. Someone put out a cartoon of Colin Kaepernick saying, and the quote was, it was him and like a reporter in his face, a cartoon... And it said, um, you know, like, what are you doing here, Colin Kaepernick, sitting on the bench? And he says, to protest racial inequality, I refuse to stand for the national anthem. So then the the reporter says back to him, this is a cartoon, the reporter says back to him, so to protest income inequality, will you refuse to take your paycheck? And there's an image of, like, a shocked Kaepernick. He makes annually $19 million. He had a $12 million signing bonus on his six-year, $114 million contract. I guess he doesn't believe in income equality. This is a fine line where sports uh, start to interact with politics, and it's just a not a good, um, not a good combination. Someone just tweeted, you know how many cameras are going to focus on him during the National Anthem? Well, yeah, and they're going to focus on him, and they're going to see him sitting. Because he said he will not stand until something changes. But that, that old cliche is, um, the old cliche is, be the change you want to see in the world. What is Colin Kaepernick doing? His next move should be to go out and start bridging gaps in communities. That's what his next move should be. And again, I'm not saying that he's un American or things like that. He's, he's exercising his First Amendment right of free, freedom to speak, freedom of speech. And I went uh, one step further, and I looked up the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. It's, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And in Colin Kaepernick's cleats here, well, let me put myself in his cleats, he is saying that people are having um, an injustice in this country and until that gets fixed he will not pledge allegiance to our flag so uh, we have a very very active periscope session right now we have 22 people thank you you guys can follow me on twitter at coach mccartan m-c-c-a-r-t-a-n someone says there won't be a next move because he didn't think this through i agree with you i think if i think he did it for two preseason games if i'm not mistaken this is the second of the two I, I do believe he did not think this through, but I think his PR team needs to get on something because people are uh, saying off of this head, people don't want him in in um, in a 49er uniform anymore for doing this. So he didn't think it through, but he has this. He's this is the critical time where he can do something. So that's the story on that, and I'm just going to leave you with a, a tweet from Arian Foster. He's the running back of the Dolphins. Arian Foster says he has the right to choose not to stand, just as you have the right to disagree with his stance.
round and round we go. And that's what I'm going to end this segment on because I think that is the summation of this whole entire argument. He doesn't stand. We're criticizing him for not standing. And it's just going to go around and around and around and around. And unless something happens, nothing's going to change. 49er fan just checked in on Periscope. He said he doesn't want Colin Kaepernick in a 49er uniform. But there's also the other fact that people do want him there because he is somewhat of a, a quarterback, a successful quarterback. He is. Obviously, he's had a downturn recently, but that's besides the fact. So he's a stud player with a stud contract. And now I was just listening to Han and Humpty on the way in, and they're they're ready to shop him. They're ready to shop Geno Smith. Now, we'll talk in a couple minutes about the Vikings needing a quarterback. What about Colin Kaepernick? Kaepernick to the Vikings. They're pretty much a ready-made team. Brendan from Ireland says hello. Hi, Brendan from Ireland. So the phone lines will be open. If you guys want to call in, 201-825-1234 is the number. This is Anthony Fasano from the Tennessee Titans. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM. That was Anthony Fasano of the Titans. Now, Joey Bosa, the other, the number two headline in the sports world. Uh, Joey Bosa out of Ohio State. He's a first-round draft pick. Finally. Now, the draft was in February or March, if I'm not mistaken. April. It was in April. Joey Bosa finally signs a contract with the San Diego Chargers. The deal is this. It's four years, $25.8 million, and the fully guaranteed contract comes with a $17 million signing bonus for an unproven rookie. This is the largest upfront bonus installment in the Chargers' history ever for a veteran or for a rookie. Now, talk about pressure. This guy's going to have a lot of pressure before he even puts on a Charger uniform. He's creating stuff. He's creating drama. He's creating a microscope. People are going to be looking at this guy with a microscope now. Every mistake he makes, they're going to blame it on his unpreparedness. He sat out three preseason games. They're going to blame it on him and his selfishness. So to, to give you a little bit of the backstory of this, his mom got involved. Joey Bosa's mom got involved. Mommy to the rescue. Mommy tweeted recently that they should have pulled an Eli Manning on draft day. So what that means is this. When Eli Manning was drafted, he too was drafted by the San Diego Chargers. However, he said, Eli Manning, that he was not going to play for the Chargers. Lo and behold, he ends up on the Giants. Now, the mom, by saying that he should have pulled an Eli Manning on draft day, is saying that he doesn't want to play for the Chargers. He has no interest in playing for the Chargers. And things got awkward really, really fast. So the Chargers come out and say, just recently, before the contract was done, they say, quote, Our contract discussions and offers to the representatives of Joey Bosa have been both fair and structurally consistent with the contracts of every other Chargers player. The offer that we extended was for Joey to contribute during all 16 games and beyond. Joey's ability to contribute for an entire rookie season has now been jeopardized by the valuable time he has missed with his coaches and with his teammates. Since Joey will not report at this time, his ability to produce, not just early on in the season, but throughout the entire season, has been negatively impacted. As a result, we will restructure our offer since Joey will will be unable to contribute for the full 16-game season without the adequate time on the practice field, in the classroom, 
and in the preseason games, end quote. Bosa's reps come on and they say, quote, it is unfortunate that the San Diego Chargers have decided to manipulate the facts and negotiate it in the media. The team is surely not strengthening its relationship with Joey Bosa by taking this stance and making their position public. Now the contract gets done. Uh, within the past week, the contract gets done. And finally, Joey Bosa says, I am very relieved. I knew it was going to get done. I was just surprised how long it took. I really left it mostly to my agents. That's why I trust them. We just wanted what's fair and what people in my position have gotten through the last five, six years. We came to a fair deal. There's no animosity between any of us, me towards them or them towards me. And now, now I'm curious. I don't know if any of you guys on Periscope or any of you guys watching on YouTube are Chargers fans because I'm curious to see what the reaction is to Joey Bosa when he steps foot on the field. Are people going to boo him? Are people going to be excited to see him? People going to cheer for him? It's a very awkward situation. How do you go from not wanting to play for a team and your mommy's tweeting it out? Obviously, you're having that conversation in your house. How do you go from that to being accepted, not only among the fans, but among the coaching staff and among your former players? I mean, not your former, and among your teammates. So... I'm not really sure how that's going to play out. Obviously, his level of play is going to do a lot uh, for him. If he comes out and he's a stud, people are just going to forget about what this whole thing was. Um, and if he comes out and he starts screwing up, people are going to be on him. Like white on rice, people are going to be on his back. Luckily for him, he, he's in a... Apparently, playing in New York is one of the hardest places to play in, in for media scrutiny. So lucky for him, he's in San Diego. Because if this was in New York, this would not have flied. Because because even Ryan Fitzpatrick gets a job done a long time ago. So um, Sean Lissamore is a, also a, a defensive lineman. Um, uh, he was my classmate. So in June, I interviewed him, a defensive lineman for the Chargers, obviously playing alongside Joey Bosa. And this was in June before any of this controversy started. And I asked him what his opinion on Joey Bosa being drafted, coming to the Chargers was. And here's what he said. They made a splash this year in the draft. First round selecting Joey Bosa. Mm -hmm. I don't know, where was it? Uh, Ohio State, I think. Ohio State, yeah. Yeah. Um, what kind of impact will he make immediately on the defense? Yeah, he's definitely the type of guy that's going to make an immediate impact. He's a heck of a pass rusher. He's got great tools, great explosion. Uh, he's smart. So uh, he's definitely going to be utilized uh, across the defensive front. He can play just about everywhere. They're high on him already. Joey Bosa, um, but I, I'm curious to see what Sean's opinion of Sean Lissamore, defensive lineman, what his opinion on, on him is now. I'm not sure um, if anything has changed. Or is it just lay it out on the field, we'll boo you, we'll cheer you accordingly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess. What, wow. They said It seems like he's not going to be ready to play for his um, for the last preseason game of the season. And uh, when he gets out there, which may or may not be the first week of the season, who knows? We'll find out. Muhammad Wilkerson, you're listening to 60 Minute Overtime on 90.3 FM. Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback Tony Romo. There are a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans in our area. Uh, Tony Romo is out. He's out for six to ten weeks. 
The Dallas Cowboys announced Saturday that quarterback Tony Romo has a broken bone in his back. Romo, who is 36 years old, could miss 6 to 10 weeks with a compression fracture. The Cowboys' bye week, by the way, occurs in week 7. Uh, and it was a brutal hit in the Seahawks game. Defensive end Cliff Averill at Thursday night's preseason game knocked him out. <laughs> Best news ever, someone said from a Giant fan. Oh, that's not nice. The guy's hurt. Uh, someone wrote, he is done. Yes, I do agree that Tony Romo is done. Now, Jason Garrett, the coach of the Cowboys, says this. We're confident that he's going to be coming back and playing football for us this year. But then again, you provided no timetable for Romo's return. Um, but, rookie, he's a rookie. Dak Prescott, he's actually the third string quarterback because Kellen Moore, who was the second stringer, suffered a broken ankle in training camp. So, they are now down to their third string quarterback named Dak, D-A-K, Prescott. He's currently the team's backup and has had an outstanding preseason. And I saw that, and I was like, okay, how good of a preseason did this guy actually have? So I started looking up his stats. And if I'm a Cowboy fan, I, I know he's a rookie, but you also have to to think of this. Well, I'll make this comparison in one minute. So his his Prescott numbers in the preseason, he played in all three games. He's got a, almost an 80% completion percentage. 450 yards, 9 yards every time he throws the ball, and the ratio of touchdowns to interceptions, he's got 5 touchdowns, 0 interceptions. And an average quarterback rating over the over the 3 weeks of 137.8. Two of his touchdowns have also been rushing. So, if I'm a Cowboy fan, I'm willing to give this guy a chance. The Vikings are another story. I'll get that in, get to that in a minute, but Dak Prescott, Cowboy fans, you have to be a little bit optimistic about this guy. Obviously, he's a, you know a quarterback in the preseason. He's not seeing the first string defenses. He's not seeing the best looks, defensive schemes, this and that. But from what he has seen, you have to you have to be optimistic. There's people saying on 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 Periscope that if the 49ers cut Colin Kaepernick, the Cowboys should go after him. There's plenty of veteran quarterbacks on the market, but in my opinion, I think you give Dak Prescott a chance. He's proved himself in the preseason. Maybe you go out and get a veteran quarterback as a backup to this guy, to mentor him. Maybe. How's this? You bring back Michael Vick. Bring back Michael Vick for a minimal, minimal contract. And then what you could do there is have him mentor this Dak Prescott. That's what I would do. I would bring in a veteran quarterback to mentor this guy, work with him, and I think this guy's going to be good. And by the way, the teams that they played in the preseason, the Dallas Cowboys, they played in L.A. versus the Rams. They played at home versus Miami, and they played at Seattle. I, that's what I. That's what I do. That's if I'm the GM of the Cowboys, I go in and get a cheap, cheap, cheap veteran and mentor Dak Prescott. Someone said Vic looked terrible in New York. Yes, he did look terrible. However. He was a good mentor. He was good behind the scenes. And there's something that, that, that speaks to that. Everybody's saying A-Rod. A-Rod was a great mentor behind the scenes. And I think Michael Vick, besides the stuff that he has done and repented for, he knows the game of football. And I think he could be a good teacher to a young guy.
I'm not saying go out and get Michael Vick. Get something, somebody like Michael Vick, who's not doing anything anyway, right? Now, the Vikings starting quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. There's a lot of NFL news this week. Teddy Bridgewater suffered a non-contact injury yesterday at practice. This, this is a, a statement from the Vikings. The injury was quickly identified as a dislocated knee. The injury was stabilized, and he was transported to a nearby hospital for treatment and evaluation. After, going un, uh, after, going, after undergoing an MRI, it was determined that Teddy suffered a complete tear to his ACL and other structural damage. Fortunately, there appears to be no nerve or arterial damage. Surgical repair will be scheduled within the next few days. Although the recovery time will be significant, we expect Teddy Bridgewater to make a, a, a full recovery. The 911 call has been leaked. Here it is. Standby. 
And I think the Jets should stick with a three-quarterback rotation. Fitzpatrick, Petty, Hackenberg. And Sean Hill's preseason numbers, I did look those up as well. He also has played in all three games. He, too, played against Seattle. His completion percentage is 68%. He's 17 for 25 total, which is not a lot. 7.7 average yards. Uh, just There's just not a lot of numbers out there. So, you know, they ever... They haven't really. He's not. He's not. He's not tried. He's not tried and true. This guy. So I think that between the Vikings and the Cowboys, I think the Vikings are going to be looking to shop a quarterback. I think the Dallas Cowboys should stay with what they have. Obviously, both quarterbacks need to step up if they do not make any changes. And we all know what happened when Drew Bledsoe was down by the Jets at one time. Drew Bledsoe was injured by the Jets. I think it was, uh, I want to say it was a Marvin Jones hit. Guess what? Tom Brady emerged as the backup, and he took over ever since. So with the backup in at the Vikings being Sean Hill at 36 years old, back backup being in Dallas, Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott is the new, I'm not saying he's as good as, but he could be the new Tom Brady. And that's just my opinion. Phone lines are still idle, although we have... Plenty, plenty of comments coming through on the Periscope feed. I, you guys are even talking to yourself. I think this is this is awesome. Someone said, Danielle, the best sports journalist ever. Well, thank you. I try my best. Uh, those of you guys listening, you guys can find me on YouTube, Twitter, at Coach McCartan. I'm just looking at NFL. Just tweeted, not one, not two, not three. The Jets' c- c- quarterback depth chart could be packed for week one. Of course it's going to be packed for week one. There's all four of them. So just to lighten everything up here a little bit in lighter news, the new Dancing with the Stars cast was revealed yesterday on ABC on Good Morning America. Why do you care? Everybody, why do you care? Well, there's some athletes that you might want to watch. Controversial man Ryan Lochte is going to be on. Lori Hernandez, who's one of the Fab Five USA gymnasts. She's from New Jersey. I'm rooting for her, and she's got a good partner. I don't watch Dancing with the Stars, but I like watching the athletes that are on it. Calvin Johnson, Megatron, he's going to be on this year. And if you're an IndyCar fan, James Hinchcliffe, hope I said that right, he will also be on. Usually the athletes do pretty well on these uh, on these shows because they're so agile, you know. So my pick for winning all, and you heard it, what's today's date? Wednesday, August 31st, it's 3.24 p.m., my pick to win it all for Dancing with the Stars, Lori Hernandez. You write that down. You follow me on Twitter. Someone said, who is Lori Hernandez? Lori Hernandez, if you've been watching the Olympics, she's the uh, Olympic gymnast, part of the five um, with Simone Biles, who won gold in pretty much everything that they touched. And she's from New Jersey. So we have to root for her, New Jersey people. We have to. This is Tino Martinez, the World Series champion for 60-minute overtime. Now, Yankees news. I interviewed, and this is really big news that I didn't want to say before. I've, I've gotten out of the habit of saying things before they happen. So I didn't want to say anything, but the next day after last week's Wednesday show, so last Thursday, I interviewed Yankee shortstop D.D. Gregorius at his inaugural pro camp in Mount Vernon, New York. Now, I was... Oh, she's from Old Bridge. Okay, yes, she's from Old Bridge. So I went to Mount Vernon, New York, which was not a bad drive, actually. I got a one-on-one interview with D.D. Gregorius, the shortstop 
he is now one of my favorite players. I I really like Didi Gregorius. He was so charismatic. Sometimes you get these guys that are just kind of just boring. <laughs> I'll be honest. But Didi wasn't. Didi was like interactive. He was laughing, making jokes. And uh, I went home and I tweeted that I'm buying a Didi Gregorius jersey. I don't know if I'm going to go so far as buying a jersey. But Didi Gregorius... Um, I liked him. I liked him a lot. So I have 50, 51 views on this and 11 subscribers. Oh, my God. So Didi Gregorius, here is my interview with him. It's 6 minutes and 37 seconds, and you are you are going to enjoy this one. McCartan with New York Yankees shortstop Didi Gregorius. Didi, have a lot of kids here all seeing you. What is it like for you to have all these kids here and, and, and waiting to be coached by you? I mean, for me, I always look at it this way, you know, uh, I always look at it when I was their age, I always wanted somebody, you know, in front of big leagues and come and talk to me, you know, teach me the way to play the game. So for me, it's just amazing just to be here. For me, it's not about wearing my shirt, but, you know, it's just for me, it's just the clinic, you know, get to talk to the kids, let them get to know me a little bit better, you know, show people like what I do off the field too. So it's uh, really big here to just talk to all these kids. It's amazing. So at this pro camp, what do you expect these kids to take away? What do I expect to take away? I mean, everything, you know, uh, like whatever, because I sit down and talk to them, you know, I introduce myself, you know, tell them a little bit about what I do. And uh, for me, it's just, uh, you know, it's experience, because you always got to start at, at that age. And I, was, I remember when I, when I was this age, too, and uh, it's just it's just a great opportunity, you know, to be here and, and get to learn as much as you can. So who did you idolize growing up? Growing up in Amsterdam, yeah. who was your favorite player? Uh, I had a lot, of, actually. I had Ken Griffey, I had Derek Jeter, I had uh, Barry Bonds, oof, I had Pookie Reese. I mean, uh, it's basically just everybody that's played in the big leagues, you know, because uh, as a kid, as a dream, you always want to come, want wanted to see it in life when you get older. And yeah. for me now that I'm here, I'm going to pass it on to the kids, too, you know, so okay. they get something to look up to, you know. It's uh, something really important for me. So, um, you know, every time you come to the bat at Yankee Stadium, I always see born in Amsterdam. Yeah. What is the story behind that? I always wondered. I was, because uh, I was born in Amsterdam? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my dad was playing, uh, my dad was playing professional baseball in the Netherlands, and my mom was playing softball in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. and I was born there, so I lived there for five, five, six years, and then I moved to Curacao, and then, then I kept going with baseball since it's a family thing for me. Yeah, you know, your mom played on the national team, too. It's genetic, you think? Uh, I'll say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, are there any differences between Dutch baseball and American baseball, or is it mostly the same game? Uh, I'm different right talent-wise. I think that's the only thing that's a okay. big, big difference. But because uh, you know you don't play a lot in the cold weather, so yeah. it's, uh, that's what it is over there. It's snowing almost every year, so I mean every every month. But I mean, you get more here, you develop more here, and, and that's the that's the way I look at it. Yeah. So, um, what is your favorite part? You were also on the Dutch national team. What is the best part, looking back, about being on that team? I mean, just just uh, all of us getting together. That's uh, one of the biggest part for me. You know, uh, all the professional guys coming back here right. and um, play for the Dutch team. And you know, we always play play really good. So that's what we wanted to do. And um, you uh, speak four languages. Yes. What are they? Dutch, English, Spanish, and Papiamento. So, what is the advantage of speaking all four of those languages <laughs> in the MLB? Uh, I mean, uh, get into the translate a little bit for some of the guys too. Yeah. That's a uh, that's a fun part about it too. You know, and get to. Uh, Get to talk to everybody on the field, actually. That's uh, the best part of the game right there. So, Didi Gregorius, shortstop, coach, and now translator. Anybody looking for a translator? Um, so, your first MLB home run came as a Diamondback at Yankee Stadium. Yep. Is that a little ironic to you? I mean, <laughs> it is, but, you know, uh, for me, I would just look at it. You know, it's uh, 
amazing, amazing opportunity for me, you know, just uh, getting a big leagues, being a big leagues again, and hit a home run at Yankee Stadium, and then a couple years later get traded to play in the Yankees. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, get a chance to hit it as a visiting, and now as a home team. So now, speaking of home runs, now the MLB, it's true, they're thinking about adding pitchers to the home run derby. What do you think about that? Adding pitchers to the home run derby? Yeah. I mean, if they want to do it, they can do it, but I don't know what to say about that, so... Do you have their, their choice? So who do you think, if, if you could make a guess, who would you put your money on? I have no clue to be honest. <laughs> I have no clue to be honest. Coming to New York, um, taking over for Derek Jeter, what was it like to take over the captain's shoes? Uh, well, I always tell everybody this. You know, uh, I'm trying to. I'm not trying to fill in his shoes. You know, mm -hmm. he did everything he did in 20 years. It's a tough career. You know, everybody's an icon here in New York. Right. I mean, I'm just here to try to play my game. So I'm not trying to try to be him, but. You know, it's just here to try to play the game. It'll be the best me that I can be when I go out there and, and try to be a better player. So you started a little rough in New York. You've on fire. You've been on fire. How did you overcome the, the, that difficulty, those challenges? I mean, it's for me, it was just getting to know the league and uh, knowing the pitchers what they try to do with you and uh, try to stay with, start to stay with your plan and try to follow in everybody else's plan. And, and that's what helped me, you know. And I had all the veteran guys with me too, so that's uh, one thing that really helped me and prepared me for the game. So, what um, what advice did Derek Jeter give you when he left and you took over? What was the best piece of advice he gave you? Just try to be yourself. Don't try to do too much. Just play the game, and, and you'll be fine. Very cool. Um, so now this season, you gone from being one of the youngest guys on the team, quite quickly, to being one of the leaders on the team. How have you embraced that leadership role? I mean, I always look at it, you know, we always want to help everybody, you know, I've been helped a lot, so mm -hmm. why not just pass it on, helping other people, you know, because you're a team, you want everybody in your team to succeed, so right. uh, that's how I look at it, you know, if you want, you want to push everybody in the right way and try to get the best foot forward, I mean, that's how you want to be in the game, so you want to help everybody out, sometimes you need help too, so uh, yeah. they, they come and talk to you, so it's just uh, everybody's helping each other out, that's what I want. So the baby bombers, and we're talking Judge, Sanchez, uh, and Austin, what advice have you give, given them? What advice? I mean, just play the game. You know, they've been having a really good year in the minor leagues, and so right. why try to why try to change it when you make it to the big leagues? You know, right. just try to try to stick consistent, do your own thing, and then be ready every game. So you and I were both at the '96 Dynasty game. I was in the I was in the bleachers, though. You were on the field. What is the impact of seeing the '96 reunion? Just you know, on the field with those guys, the start of that dynasty. I mean, it's 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 awesome. You know, just uh, you know, you see those guys play and how they did everything and. It's just unbelievable. Now you get to see them again and interact and talk with them, you know, uh, yeah. picking their brains a little bit. That's why I tell everybody, you know, you got to pick the brains if you want to get better in the game. So you got to talk to everybody. So whose brain did you pick? Almost everybody. You know, <laughs> whoever I had a chance to talk to, I talked to. So it's yeah. not a, just one person. I talked to everybody. So are the Yankees poised for a playoff run in 2016? I mean, we're still fighting. We're not giving up. That's the one yeah. thing I think everybody should know that we don't give up. we got to play hard every day. So um, I learned a little bit of Dutch on my own. Thank you is Don Cuvel. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, so Daniel McCartney with D.D. Gregorius at Pro Camps. Thank you so much. Have fun today. Thank right, you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So D.D. Gregorius is a great guy. I, obviously, I loved him. I, he was a great interviewee. Um, he said a lot of interesting stuff. I did ask him about taking over for Derek Jeter. Um, and you know and, thing, and things like that. And he said the best advice Derek Jeter told him uh, is to just be him. He's you're not going to be. You have to be the best DJ Gregorius that you can be. And I asked Tino Martinez the same thing. Well, like Tino Martinez was in the same position. He took over for Don Mattingly, who was an established, established, well loved, well well loved first baseman on the Yankees. 
And I asked him, like, what do you, being in that position, what do you give to advice to guys? And I did say, like, D.D. Gregorius. And he said that you can't be the Don Mattingly. You can't be Derek Jeter. So you have to be the best you that you can be. It sounds cliche, but it really is true. And Yankee fans, we're experiencing a little bit of a, a resurgence. I'm going to say we, because I am a Yankee fan too. Obviously, you guys can see the hat I'm wearing. Um, but Yankee fans are experiencing a resurgence. Gary Sanchez, the young guys are are, are crushing it for the Yankees right now. And don't count them out, as D.D. said. Don't count them out. I also talked to D.D. about, and for those of you guys that have been on, on Periscope that can't hear this, to D.D. about um, taking over. Listen, he was one of the younger guy, youngest guys on the roster at the beginning of the season. All of a sudden, with all these influx of young guys, he's coming in now, and he's more of a veteran. And they're looking up to him. So the Yankees are seventh place in the wild card race. They're three and a half games behind the, both the Red Sox and the Orioles. The Blue Jays are the division leaders, so they have a um, a playoff spot already wrapped up. It's a tough division. The Hell East is a tough, tough division. Do I think the Yankees are going to make the playoffs? I do. I do. I do think the Yankees are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to have because they're kind of gelling at the right time. Yankees are gelling at the right time. And that's my opinion on that. Now, in other news, Tim Tebow. Someone just uh, told me to talk about Tebow. Tim Tebow tried out. He held a uh, practice yesterday, a tryout, a showcase for uh, a trial for an MLB teams. <laughs> Someone said, my pops just jumped ship and joined the Mets bandwagon. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think the Yankees have a better shot than the Mets. But So Tim Tebow tries out. Coming out of that practice, he wants to be a baseball player now. I mean, he's an athlete. If anybody saw the pictures of him, um, he he looked amazing. He looked fit. He was crushing balls in batting practice over the fence. However, his deficits came when throwing the ball. As a quarterback, you would think he'd have a little more pop on a ball. But apparently his def- uh, deficits became when he began to throw the ball from the outfield as well as fielding. As well as fielding. He, as an outfielder, was when the ball was hit, he was stepping in. He was taking steps in. Anybody, I mean, they teach you in Little League, and I teach my freshmen this, that when a ball is hit, if you're in the outfield, you do not take a step in. You, it's, it's natural. It is. But you have to fight that naturalness, and you have to f- go backwards on a ball, hit to the outfield. And Tim Tebow, I mean, the guy hasn't played baseball in 12 years competitively. So I think, I think Tim Tebow is going to go to a team that needs to t- sell some tickets, uh, a low-market team, a small-market team. Maybe the Diamondbacks would be a good fit for him. Maybe the Colorado Rockies would be a good fit for him. Uh, I do think something will come of this. He's gotten two offers to play. I think one was in Venezuela. Not sure where the other one was, uh, but it's not professional baseball. But I do think Tim Tebow is on to something. And I think we could see him in the league within a year. Give him one year. The guy's an athlete. The guy's a competitor. Braves. You know, the Braves might be a good fit for him, too. I agree with you. And yes, it is like when Jordan wanted to play baseball. He did play, and he did. So I'm not going to go and compare skill sets of Tim Tebow to Michael Jordan, but it's the same concept. It is. So who knows who's you know, what's going to happen with that. I don't know. However, I think uh, Tim Tebow should be on your radar. If you're a baseball fan, you got to see what he's, uh, he's going to be doing. This is Noah Syndergaard, pitcher for the New York Mets. You're listening to 60-Minute Overtime on WRPR. 
So in Mets news, pitcher Steven Matz experienced discomfort in his throwing shoulder while playing catch. Jacob deGrom will be moved up to start in his place. It's nothing structural. He is expected to return this season, which is good news for Mets fans. He's put up some great numbers, Steven Matz. And uh, that he's, he's, he's integral to their playoff push. So I guess it, so- it sounds to me like he's just going to miss one more, st- uh, one more start, and he'll be back in, plugged right back in. Now, um, in the Snoopy Bowl, uh, you know what? Let me go Jets news first. Jets news. The preseason finale for the New York Jets comes versus the Eagles. 9-1, which is tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. Todd Bowles, Coach Todd Bowles, said on Tuesday that Geno Smith will not play in Thursday's preseason finale at the Eagles. Some people are saying it solidified his position as their number two quarterback. Some people are saying that they don't need to see him anymore because he might be getting traded. Um, unfortunately, I think that he has uh, solidified himself as a number two quarterback. Bryce Petty uh, and rookie Christian Hackenberg will probably split snaps in that game. And Bowles is undecided on how he will divide the playing time up between Hackenberg and Petty. But he did state, quote, I'll try to even it out as best I can. I'd like to see more of the other two guys, so playing Geno would hinder that chance. I want to see the other two guys play a full amount of time. So this would be a perfect opportunity to do it. We all know what Gino is. End quote. So you could take that either way. We all know what Gino is. Could be bad or could be good. I, I didn't see the video and I wasn't there when he said that. So I don't know what the inflection out of his voice was and if he was smiling or things like that. But the question is, is four quarterbacks on a roster a bad thing? Yes, I do think so. I think it opens up especially being in New York, I think it opens up a lot, a lot of controversy. If one is doing bad, we've seen it. As as Jess fans, which I am, we've seen it. I was at the draft when they drafted Geno Smith. And I booed. And I booed not because it was Geno Smith. I didn't know anything about him. But I booed because they drafted another quarterback. Why are we drafting all these quarterbacks? I don't get it. So the Jets put themselves in this position of having four quarterbacks by drafting another one in Christian Hackenberg this year. Hashtag give Bryce Petty a shot. That's my hashtag. Poor guy. He hasn't gotten a shot. A a legitimate shot. Yet. I mean, he's been doing better than Geno Smith in the preseason, if you want to look at that. This year, someone said the Jets just need to sign Tebow. Oh, boy. Oh, five quarterback roster. Oh boy. <laughs> so the Jets, the Jets carrying four quarterbacks, I think, is going to be a mistake. Anytime one of them messes up, everybody's going to jump on the bandwagon of the other quarterback and try and make a case for the other quarterback to be the number one quarterback, as we've seen over and over and over with the New York Jets. We've seen it with Tebow. Hashtag give Bryce Petty a shot. There you go. We've seen it with Tebow and Sanchez. I mean, it's just... Don't even get me started on that. I've talked about that at length on here. And all the Geno fans are going to come after me on Twitter after this, definitely. He's got a lot of fans. But for for the progress he's made, in, and I think it's three seasons that he's been with the Jets, he hasn't made enough progress for me. I think he stayed kind of flat. And if you're going to stay kind of flat... Other guys are going to pass you by. And I think Bryce Petty has, in fact, passed him by. 
Jonathan Hankins from the New York Giants. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM. In Giants news, the preseason finale comes versus the New England Patriots tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So you guys are going to be conflicted. Giants and Jets are both playing at 7 p.m. I think the Jets are on CBS, but the Giants are definitely on NBC. It is a home game at MetLife Stadium. They have just made cuts down to a 75 men. And the question is, will the starters play in this game? With all these injuries, in my opinion, I say keep the starters out. There's no need for the starters to be playing in this. You know who the starters are already. You should be looking at your backup players at this point if you're coaching. Shane Vereen, running back, told, told reporters to relax. It's, it is preseason for a reason. It is camp for a reason. There are a lot of times when the coaches have something else in mind, something that we need to work on, something that we don't need to work on, something that they need to see. It is what it is. It counts on September 11th, which is when the Giants open their season versus Dallas. I agree with him. Sterling Shepard, rookie, said it is preseason, so you don't want to show everything that you have. We have the personnel to do it. We have the guys that are ready and hungry to play. I don't feel what has happened in the preseason is going to affect us in the regular season at all. I agree. I definitely agree with that. I think the Giants should keep their starters out. As many starters as possible should be sitting out. Because look at what happened. Look at what happened to Tony Romo. Look at what happened to Teddy Bridgewater. Like the Vikings were so set. We're so set this year. The NFC North, having won it last year, all of a sudden their quarterback goes down and then they're in a tailspin. So there's no need. There's no need. ACLs happen. They happen on even non-contact plays, as we've seen with Teddy Bridgewater. So in that sense, I do think you keep your starters out. No doubt. And I hope Ben McAdoo can do that in this last preseason game. And the last and final thing of note, the Giants beat the Jets in the Snoopy Bowl, which is the MetLife Bowl, last week. The score was 21-20. to They got a trophy. Big whoop. But a funny story out of this was Eli Apple, who I've interviewed to on my YouTube page. Find him. Eli Apple uh, studied. Uh, he, first of all, Brandon Marshall, who he was supposed to cover, was out of that game due to a hip injury. And he was like a, l- a last-minute scratch. So Eli Apple, quote, I definitely was watching a lot of film trying to study him, and then you find out right before kickoff that he's not going to play. I was like, shoot. I wanted the chance, the opportunity, but he's a great receiver, and I probably might be able to see him down the road, end quote. Instead, Eli Apple was stuck, these are my words now, he was stuck guarding Eric Decker. (laughs) Although it was an awful game, yes, I agree with you, I think Eli Apple did a great job covering Eric Decker great job. I think he knocked away a pass in the end zone at one point. Obviously, Decker did score, but I'm not sure who he was guarding him. I think Eli Apple is a real deal, everybody. Uh, he also said, as a corner, you want to get your chances to make an impact on the game and everything. And he also said, so anytime they target you, it's an opportunity. Fitzpatrick went right after him. He really did. And Eli Apple, rookie, Eli Apple, held his own. Definitely, definitely held his own. That's what I have for you guys. Someone said the Jets need to deal with the infighting. Yeah, I think so, starting with the Geno Smith thing. I was on here last week. Geno Smith is not a, a, a leader in that locker room. But there's a difference between infighting and in-house competition. 
I think the Jets are towing the line and going over the line in some spots. Because I, I say that because I cite the Revis Marshall um, happenings in practice. I mean, there are two future Hall of Famers going at each other every single down in practice. And they went after it. Which is cool. Something like that is cool. But the maliciousness and everything inside, yeah, I agree with you. It's not good. Geno Smith is more of a crybaby baby than Cam Newton. <laughs> Cam Newton, as we all know, is a very big crybaby, as we all saw after his review, uh, refusal to do any interviews after his Super Bowl loss. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I had a very, very, very active Periscope session today. Thank you to you guys on there. Any last-minute comments you want to throw in, I'll take them. We also, I set up the live stream on YouTube, which is really cool. I have one watcher, <laughs> one person watching, but I got two new subscribers, so that's cool. Okay, anybody else on Periscope, if anything else you want to get off your chest, phone lines are, you know, also 201-825-1234. Oh, I made a little jingle for this, too. Where is it? There it is. Got something to say? Call the studio, 201 825 1234. <laughs> Alright. I think that's going to do it for this week. So I haven't determined when I'm going to be on. I think I'm going to take Sunday off. Come on, the next Sunday. Uh, my slot is 1 30 to 2 30. I don't like that slot because it's Sunday football. Um, and I think I want to make it a little bit earlier. I think I want to try uh, like 11 to 12, but I'll get back to you guys on that. That's why it's important for you guys to follow me on Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And my last question is going to be who wins in a fight, Odell or um, Josh Norman? In a fight, like a fist fight or like an on-the-field battle? Because if it's on the field, I think Odell wins. But in a fist fight, I'm going to go with Josh Norman. I mean, Odell kind of looks a little frail and stuff. Fist fight. Fist fight, I'm going Josh Norman, for sure. He body slammed Odell Beckham on the field. <laughs> no contest. I don't think that's a contest. BC Phantom, I think you were on here before. Uh, just joined back. I'm just closing it out. Just want to thank everybody that participated this week. You guys are great. Please follow my Twitter. I'm going to tweet out the time of my next show because I won't be back next Wednesday. It'll be switching to Sundays, and, I, and I'm just going to have to let you know. Stay tuned, everybody. And in the meantime, check out prosportsrundown.com. That's my site. And that's all I got. So this is Daniel McCartan. This is 60 Minute Overtime, Week 7, Episode 7, Summer 7. And that's going to wrap the summer session up. I, I, you know, I hope I brought the best of sports to you guys, the best of interviews. That's always my goal. That's always my goal. So uh, peace and love. Pace. If, uh, Billy, Pali Italiano, Pace. That's Italian Pace. Hey, amore. And I'll see you guys when I see you. And thank you very much for supporting me. Thank you. Follow me on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M C C A R T A N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search with no spaces Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.